Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Overcast, the Chaga Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. We're joined in this week's episode by Dr. James O'Shocknessy from the Department of Agriculture's Central Veterinary Research Laboratory in Backwestern in a broad discussion around the risk fruit poses this winter. We discussed the forecast of fruit risk this winter and how it can vary across the country and indeed among farms. James discusses detection, sources of information and the importance of previous farm history. We move on to discuss treatment options and the importance of choosing an appropriate flucoside for this point of the season. Finally, we finish up discussing rumen fluke and the risk it can pose. We start off, however, with James explaining the impact liver fluke can have on animal health, everything from acute to chronic infection. Liver fluke, um, by definition, it, it's 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 a fix in 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 sheep are much more pronounced than in cattle. So sheep are far more susceptible to fluke than cattle. Um, so you can have three different types or three different forms of disease. So acute acute fluke. Which is you know occurs in sheep. It's very rare in cattle. Um, what you typically see in this case is um basically sheep. Are, you know you can get sheep. We call it abdominal pain. You can get sudden deaths. Um, and they become a very anemic. Um, and it's due to the migration of of the juvenile fluke, uh, through the liver, causing extensive damage. Um, and and you know the the course of the disease can be very very short. Um, in these cases you won't see. Um, fluke eggs in a fecal sample. So if you take a fecal sample, you won't see any fluke eggs in it. Um, the next type then is subacute fluke. So again, common in sheep uh, and not really common in cattle. Um, typically see this, say, October, November time, up to December even. So again, the different the kind of signs you'd expect to see in animals would be uh, inappetence. Um, so productivity is going to be impaired because they're, you know, they're infected. So um weight loss again they can suffer um you can see signs of anemia um and also also um you can see signs of bottle jaw as well which also is is i suppose is even more common in chronic fluke um so again chronic fluke in sheep um but it's the most common form we'd see in cattle um chronic fluke is generally later in the year so it's uh typically December, January, February onwards. Um and what you will see in chronic fluke is you'll see you will you will detect eggs in fecal samples. So it's important to understand that when um when cattle or sheep are grazing, um if they pick up uh the metascaria, the infective stage off pasture, it's a minimum of about eight weeks before you'll see um eggs shed in that fecal sample. So prior to that, you won't see any eggs being shed. So it can be it can be more, more difficult to detect um whether or not the sheep more commonly in sheep, whether or not they're actually infected with fluke in the first place. So things like previous uh history of fluke in the farm, um other things like you know, unfortunately, some animals go for post mortem in a regional lab, and the, and the, they will be able to detect um acute fluke um there's characteristic signs in the liver of, of juvenile fluke. Now you can obviously take blood samples, and you'll you'll see elevated uh, liver enzymes, and you can also see also see reduced uh, blood protein, so albumin is reduced. James, it's something that can have a massive impact in the flock if it hits. And I suppose, just like maybe put in context, there's no resistance to fluke in yews, unlike worms and other things, they're not going to get over. So when it hits, it hits. 
Yeah, no, it's it's it, it's a continual problem in sheep flocks. Like cattle are less susceptible to fluke, but they still are affected. Um, they still are affected, and to actually to actually I suppose broadened out a bit. I mean, fluke can affect say cattle, sheep, and goats, for example. You can also see it in rabbits and hares. Um, deer would also be another. You know, they can be affected by fluke. Horses less commonly. Um, so it could, it's it's it can be seen seen across across a range of animal species, but typically, yeah, you're talking about for you know on your average farm, you're talking about sheep being far more affected uh, than cattle would be. Uh, but nonetheless, it can have it can have a serious constraint even in cattle cattle herds, you know, um, and impaired productivity, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, associated with with this with chronic disease. But in sheep, yeah, you you're more likely to see acute disease. Um, or you can get you know deaths etc. And likely look the, the grazing behaviour is likely one of the reasons maybe to pick up more infection. But certainly our grazing management during the winter and maybe the lack or shorter housing period has a big impact on how we control it too. And we might come back to some aspects of that. James, in terms of fluke, look, it varies in terms of the risk profile throughout the country, and you produce a forecast every year looking at this and looking at what the potential burden is. You might just explain that to me, the forecast itself, and what it's telling us. Well, yeah, each year uh, Metairn produce produce a, I suppose a disease forecast. Um, it's called the Allergy Index. So it 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 uses parameters such as uh, rainfall totals together with the number of rain days. So days with rain that are greater than equal to two point two millimeters of rain, um, and estimates of potential evapotranspiration. So it it's basically looking over the period from. Uh, May to October each year for this this particular uh, index, so it it predicts the risk, um, of disease or infection with liver fluke, for that, it, typically by the time the forecast is produced, uh, in November. So it's it's over the course of the winter it predicts the um the risk of infection uh in 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 animals, in cat you know in cattle and sheep at pasture like or well that but that's their house it predicts the the challenge they're going to experience um so this year's this year's uh, index um is quite similar to last year as regards um just just what it's predicting this year it's predicting infection to be prevalent in the west and northwest uh with occasional losses in the midlands east munster and north leinster um little or no losses are expected along the southern coastal fringes and in south leinster now it has to be pointed out that there is most definitely farm to farm variation there's some farms whether they're in the east or the west maybe drier or wetter than a neighboring farm so maybe much at at local level there can be large differences in 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 the likelihood of fluke occurring but saying that like the risk overall would be higher in the west and northwest compared to the rest of the country and if, if you think about this year, like by and large, the west and northwest got more or less the same levels of rainfall, or certainly they got an amount of it to keep habitat stay over the east. That prolonged dry period in the east had to have an effect on it. Yeah, like we're I I just looked at at, at say the the results of um seven weather stations in the west and northwest compared to last year, and I think the risk is comparable to last year. So people had experienced um fluke on their farms last year in the west and northwest like the, the risk will be will be pretty much the same this year it's definitely something not to take your eye off and perhaps we could be a little bit of a risk there we think in a great summer 
it's going to be less. But when you look at the actual figures, it's not going to be that much different. There's another aspect, James, of how you're monitoring this. Um, your Vales conduct a survey every year. So it's a post-mortem study on liver fluke. You might just explain what they're actually looking at there and the kind of results they're seeing. From 20, 2015 onwards, um, the department were collecting essentially lambs going, going to slaughter uh, in various meat the various meat plants. They've been collecting blood samples from from um, a proportion of flocks at the time of slaughter. So what what they're looking at they're looking they're looking for the presence of liver fluke antibodies in lambs. So it kind of you know over the course of you know it's typically done from July onwards. Um, well, if their samples are collected from June to to to, to, to right through up to the end of the year, but it allows it allows us to kind of see when lambs are first exposed on farm in different parts of the country. Um, so lambs, you know, um, by definition won't have experienced uh fluke before. So springborn lambs, whatever. But so by the time they're sampled in the meat plant, like they're a good um, indicator of when exposure is occurring on farms um, in, in different counties, for example. So it tells you where the risk is higher um, or not going to be. <clears throat> Just look at the figures for July and August. So in July, there was a uh, number of flux tests was 130. Um given a positive rate of 8.5%. Um, in August, then that started to creep up a bit where you had uh, 20, 26.3% of flocks tested positive. So you can see, you know, over time, you know, as you go later into the grazing season, um, you're getting that greater level of exposure. And I, I suppose one thing I want to point out is the the the, the forecast itself, the, if you go back to the, actual, the forecast itself is based on, based on data from May to October every year. So, we get the data from Metairn in the, in the early days of November, so they compile the data. It does it takes time to compile the data, but there there already will have been cases of acute fluke, particularly in west and northwest counties. Um, you know, I mean, you you you'll you'll start to see acute fluke from autumn time onwards. So before this uh disease forecast is is produced, so it is important for people up the west and northwest in particular not to be waiting on uh, the production of this forecast before they're deciding when to treat because losses will, will will already have potentially taken place from acute disease. I think that study is interesting, I like the study, because it's just the difference from July at that 8% up to August, 26%. I suppose, James, we moved that into September, October, them numbers are going to increase a lot. It's yeah. at that stage of the year where that risk is becoming very obvious. Real. Yeah, your, yeah, your risk of your acute is really kicking in from then on. Yeah. And that's that goes back then to, you know, you're getting that 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 acute risk of acute disease in autumn time again before this this forecast is produced because this is this forecast is really looking at you know risk over over you know late the win- the winter period, so at that particular time of the year, depending on farm history, uh, previous years exposure levels etc. and you know data coming back from 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 slaughter plants. And you know, using using stuff like the 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 abattoir Liza survey, um, farmers would want to be using at that stage of the year, um, flucicides that are effective against not just chronic disease or later stage fluke, but they'd want to be looking at uh, treating all stages of, of fluke, you know, or immature, early and late immatures, you know, 
not to be just using products that are only effective against adult liver fluke. Just touch the treatment. Like, just in terms of monitoring, I suppose a lot of sheep farms are going to have cattle as well. And Animal Ireland have been looking at this for a number of years as well. Like, what kind of numbers are you getting back this year on the cattle side of it? Yeah, well, just the background on the, the, the Animal Health Ireland Beef Healthcare Programme. So it's it's run in partnership with, with uh, Meat Industry Ireland. Um, so essentially they collect and report liver fluke information in cattle at slaughter from from various meat plants across the country. So their data would suggest that this year's levels of liver fluke infection are very similar to those reported in 2021. So for example, abit- to date, um, abattoir examinations showed an average of 44% of herds with at least one animal with liver damage due to liver fluke and live fluke were seen in 13% of herds. Now, even more importantly, counties in the northwest of Ireland were more heavily affected. So with 70 to 80% of herds in Sligo, Roscommon and Donegal reported of signs of liver fluke at slaughter. So for, for as you say, people with mixed enterprises, it's really it's really useful information to have yeah. to get information back from 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 abattoirs, you know, cattle going to, going for slaughter to see essentially what state the livers are in. Is there a fluke present? And if there's not live fluke present, is there evidence that fluke were present? And look, it's tying in with the other data again, showing from the forecast as if the west and northwest is the high risk region. Look, yeah. just in terms of in modern, you're, you're touching a number of aspects of, but still on farms, there's lambs being sent to Dabbertar for slaughter. Fecal samples, James, what other levels of monitoring can a farmer do if he wants to check? Well, do I need to go back in and dose with fluke again? I'm assuming the lambs are a good example at this time of the year for the grazing outdoors to get a report back on the livers. Apart from the actual forecast itself, I mean, Fecal sampling is fine if if there's if there's you know you know adult fluke present. Um, when we talk about you know acute disease where you know you're not going to see any eggs in a fecal sample. So if you take a fecal sample, send it to the lab, it comes back negative. Well, you know it, it just tells you that there's you know in a case of acute disease, you're not you're just not going to have um eggs present. So in those sort of situations, um. What else can you use? So you can use previous farm history as a very strong one to use. So if you've had fluke present on a farm before, and if la- if the weather conditions this year are su- similar to the weather conditions last year, well, you can expect a similar level of risk. Um, yeah, you can use the forecast, but the forecast is a little bit later. Been you know by the very nature of of of, of how it's produced, um, you farms will already have had uh, acute disease on farm so in those situations those lambs if you get acute um acute disease in farm so any lambs that are they're, they're essentially die in farm are you know if if you if you if you're not sure what's what's the cause but they you know submitting them to to a regional veterinary laboratory um they'll quickly be able to, to be able to identify whether or not uh this is due to liver fluke um so they'll see the the juvenile fluke in the, in the actual liver so the juvenile fluke goes through the liver they, they do tremendous uh, damage um, and you get a lot of bleeding in the liver etc etc so this can this can be picked up um, on, a, on a post-mortem besides that then you're looking at <clears throat> for acute fluke looking at things like you know taking blood samples so you're looking for again elevated liver enzymes which indicate liver disease or you're looking at uh, reduced blood proteins now they're more non-specific but they do point towards 
they will point towards liver damage, but they won't tell you exactly what's causing the liver damage, but it'll give you a strong indication. Look, you, you touched on some aspects of this already, but in terms of treatment and control, using the correct products, the timing of that treatment, James, like, is there, at farm level, is there still products being used that maybe aren't effectively treating the stage of fluke we need to get at at this stage of the year? Yeah, so, again, back to, you know, autumn time in sheep, and also in cattle, but autumn, autumn time, you know, on sheep farms, um, September time, for example, you're you're going to see, um, you're going to see fluke at the at the varying stages, but you're going to see early stage fluke in these animals. So there's not much point in using a product, say in September, that's effective against adult fluke only, because you you you'll be leaving behind, um, early immature or late immature fluke, which won't be affected by a treatment. So it's important that at that stage to be targeting, um. The early immatures, um, the late immatures, and of course adults as well. So a, a product that's effective against as many of the life cycle stages as possible. Whereas the the, the later you get into the the year, I suppose more the fluke are, are you know <clears throat> maturing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But certainly the autumn time, you, you'd look be looking at a product that's effective against all the different life cycle stages of the fluke. I suppose we, we touched on this at the very beginning. The grazing management on the sheep, we tend to leave them out for longer in cattle systems. So the risk period continues. There's a need, James, in a lot of cases, even you did treat at that stage of the year, they'll probably graze in the same pasture again. Later in the season, it's not just a case to take your eye off the ball. There's still a fluke risk. On oh, them, yeah. On them, on them high-risk farms are still present. Like, Yeah, the very fact that they're outside, there is there is a risk. So you, 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 more, you most likely will have to go back in with... you pretty definitely will have to go back in with another treatment again on farms where, where fluke is present if animals are left outdoors because they continually pick them up off pasture. I suppose in some cases then that housing period potentially gives you a little bit better chance of control and using different products as the season progresses. Yeah, like so again at housing, for example, in cattle, you know, people can choose to do two, two things with cattle at housing. They can treat them for fluke at housing or they can wait six to eight weeks post housing and treat them. But the, the, really, the 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 and and this will be found on the uh, the Animal Health Ireland uh, website, the the particular the parasite control program. But it really depends if you if you treat, uh, say for example, cattle at housing, um, with a product that's effective against um, you know, late uh, immatures or or adult fluke, um, they you know they will have picked up. By ver- the very virtue, they will have picked up fluke on pasture right up until the time they actually are housed. So you might necessarily be treating all stages of fluke. Well, you won't be necessarily treating all stages of fluke if you're using a product against the older stages. So in those situations, you might have to do a, a you know follow up with a fecal sample six to eight weeks post housing to see if the, if 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 they've got um you know they're sort of still shedding eggs. Yeah, James, just maybe finally. We talk a lot about liver fluke. Rumen fluke is something a lot of producers will be familiar with. Could you just maybe explain to us what it is and why it becomes a risk in certain cases and not in others? Yeah, Karen, we're, like over the last number of years, we're seeing more and more um, rumen fluke eggs um, in, in, in fecal samples submitted. And it, to the point that it's now much more common for us to see rumen fluke in a fecal sample, say rumen fluke eggs, than you'd see liver fluke eggs. Um thing to note with um, 
with rheumatoid fluke is the adult stage in the four stomach of the animal. So it doesn't cause any real pathology. The damage is actually done uh, by the juvenile stages um, in this in the small intestine. So you end up with, unfortunately, farms that would have come across it, you end up seeing, you know, profuse diarrhea, um, sudden weight loss, etc., etc. Um, and it's due to, I suppose, it's due to the, a massive challenge um, at pasture with with the insisted stages on pasture. Now they both, both rumen fluke and liver fluke both both share the same intermediate host, so the, the multinational galbi truncatula. Um, but by and large, and I, to be careful what I say here, but by and large, um, rumen fluke doesn't cause a problem. Um, however. When we see cases um, of disease due to rheumatoid fluke, they're quite dramatic. So colleagues in 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 in, in the Sligo RVL were, were anxious to point out that um, they've had a couple of cases uh, in this autumn where uh, they come across cases of a of acute of of rheumatoid fluke um, causing um, serious disease <clears throat> in herds. So. Um, it it is important to be aware that it can cause disease. I mean, it does. It's quite significant. Um, but what I want to point out is that on a routine fecal sample, so I see fecal samples submitted from six or seven animals in a group, whatever it is. Um, if you get back rumen fluke eggs in a fecal sample, and you're wondering what to do with the result, um, the first question I always ask is, if the animals look normal, uh, no scouring. Uh, they look healthy, and they're thriving okay. I would I would advise them not to treat. Now, in cases where fecal samples are sent into the lab from animals that are scouring, and they're concerned about rumen fluke, um, it's important that whoever sending in samples requests the lab to test for not only the presence. To see, labs as a routine will test for rumen fluke eggs anyway, if it's requested. But you can also test the fecal samples for the presence of so the juvenile stages of the of rheumatoid, which may be present in the fecal sample. So if you, in in those situations where you, if you happen to find uh, the juvenile rheumatoid in the fecal sample, and you're looking at animal scouring, well then you can you pretty much you know join the dots and 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 attribute that scouring uh, to to rheumatoid. Um, you're getting to the root of the problem there. It's the juvenile ones are causing an issue, and you're identifying that that is definitely the case, as opposed yeah, to yeah. So, yeah. So, like again with rumen fluke, it, it's back to farm history. So, on farms that have had previous issues with rumen fluke causing scouring in animals, well, then if you if you have animals scouring the following year, and you know, and, and you're concerned, you know, the rumen fluke is quite likely, um, but by and large, it doesn't tend to cause, um disease it's only it's it's really only on occasion but when it does it can be quite dramatic but it's important in those situations if you're concerned about it if an animal dies from scouring or whatever it should be submitted to a regional lab um if it's not submitted um well certainly the animals that are that in the same group that are affected i would be taking fecal samples of multiple animals within the same group and requesting the lab to test not only for eggs but also for the presence of, of the juvenile stages of fluke. And the juveniles are in, in this case, James, they're not that hard to identify in the lab scenario. No, I mean it it it, it I suppose it there's we're still trying to figure out the, the rate of shedding, but like certainly cases we've had here, um we you know, sometimes you get them in a the post mortem, so that so they'll 
when they're doing a post-mortem, they'll, they'll take samples of the, the gut contents or they may take samples of, uh, may take fecal samples and send them in. But it's important. You mightn't always find them, but it's important to check. It is important to check. Um, but as a, but as a general, um, comment with, with, with rumen fluke, like the presence of, of rumen fluke eggs in a fecal sample of animals that are thriving and performing well in those situations, you don't need to treat. There's no, there's no, there's no evidence, to, you know, to suggest the treatment is, is warranted. And even to use products like oxyclozide in animals that are clinically normal, that are healthy, et cetera, et cetera, you are running the risk of, of, of the resistance developing to that product. And as, and as an additional point, on farms where, you know, you've bought liver fluke and rumen fluke. So if you find liver fluke eggs, liver fluke eggs in a fecal sample, it is always of significance and you have to treat for it. Whereas if you find rumen fluke eggs that animals are normal, it's not it's not a big issue. But the problem in some farms is what's happening is because farmers are fine are finding both, there is a tendency to use a product like oxyclozonide yeah. that only works against, you know, the older liver fluke but it'll treat all stages of rumen fluke. So in those situations, you end up, I suppose, you know, you're, you're really concentrating on treating rumen fluke at the expense of controlling your liver fluke because you're not hitting all the stages of liver fluke. So that's important to understand. Like if people are interested, like to, to you know, to read, I suppose, to read the forecast in detail because all, all the details are in there. And if you're still keen on reading material, um, I I, I would certainly um ask people to look at the Animal Health Ireland website um under parasite control because again, there's there's leaflets on that which cover rumen fluke, liver fluke, coccidiosis, roundworms, external parasites, the whole the whole shebang. So it's it's all there in in, in a in a very readable uh, way. I think that's maybe an excellent point to wrap it up on, James. Look, I really appreciate your time today. You've gone through a lot of details you have for us. It was great to have you on. It's certainly something that needs to be on the radar for sheep farmers at the moment. And again, as you've indicated, there's plenty of means to actually test and look at what are the issues on your farm. Going to finish the episode up at this point. I have included a link in the description of this podcast to the Animal Health Ireland webpage James was referring to. It's an excellent resource and have very good technical documents on it, covering liver fluke, rumen fluke, and various other aspects of animal health. I'm sure you'll find useful a page well worth visiting. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from our sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chagger Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tune in to future episodes.